Welcome to the weekly. This is a special edition called The Bookless. It's recommendations for your spiritual growth with your hosts, Jay Ewing, Melissa Christensen. Hello, hello. And a really good friend of ours, Denise New. She's becoming a good friend of ours. Let's say it that way. Denise, it's great to have you here. Yes, I'm so excited to be here. If you're new to the weekly, this is a special edition weekly where we review a book that we've been reading over the last month. And we have a series of these. So if you ever are curious about maybe some great books to read, some great books to ponder, to think about, to do in your own life group or small group or men's, women's group or family, check out the rest of the episodes. They're always at theweekly.com. Uh, you can re- write us as well at theweekly.com for all your recommendations for maybe for what we should be reading. Yeah, but I'd love to hear those. Great. We have a great podcast for you today. A special book to all of us. We had a great time reading this. What, about a month ago, we asked you, Denise, hey, would you read a book for us? Yes, with you us? did. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've never been on a podcast before. Absolutely. <laughs> great. This is your first podcast of all time? Of ever. Wow. Yes. Welcome to the so 21st exciting. century. I'm so excited. For me, it's a very like quarantine thing. Like as soon as COVID hit, everyone's oh, like, yeah. I'm so into podcasts and I want to make my own. And so I'm so glad to be here. That's so That's fun. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quarantine has produced a lot of great things like this. For yes. sure. So, the Weekly did come out of quarantine. That's true. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. So uh, check it out. Go to calvarybible.com, The Weekly, for the other podcasts we have been doing about the book list. They used to be titled What We Are Reading, but we just rebranded it right away. Yeah, like five minutes You ago. heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get jump into it. First, let's introduce Denise to the rest of Calvary. If you don't know Denise, she's the coordinator of student ministries on the Thornton campus. Yes, I just hopped on staff at the end of July of 2020. So that was super interesting to start. Like it's my first grown up job, my first big girl job where I'm kind of doing my own thing, not an intern anywhere. So it's been a huge learning process, but uh, super grateful to be a part of the Calvary community and getting to know people uh, and seeing more and more familiar faces every week is super nice. And and just getting to hang out with the students over there has been such a huge blessing. And so uh, God is definitely faithful because I have no idea what I'm doing half the time. But Denise is so good at connecting with students, remembering faces and things about them and making them feel welcome, which is awesome. Totally. If you you. haven't been to the Thornton campus, don't go anymore because everything is agreeable gray and shiplap and it's amazing. Are you jealous? I am so jealous. It's beautiful over (laughs) there. It is beautiful. (laughs) They've done a great job. Your team has done a great job. That campus looks awesome. We, uh, the student ministry team calls the Thornton campus Thor tons of fun because there's oh. just so much food around it. I and love it. All the oh. things. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's true. They have Krispy Kreme donuts there, Jay. Yeah, they have, unlike Erie, which is in a desert wasteland of great food that's really quick and simple. Thornton has really great food around Seriously. Oh, for sure. Chick-fil-A right down the street. Okay. Uh, Chipotle. We didn't talk about this before, but there's a restaurant across the street called Fat Something. What is it? Fat Shack. Fat Shack. Mm -hmm. So my son Bryce wanted to go there yesterday because we were on that side of town. And they have the most insane sandwiches, Jay. Really? It's like four different fried items (laughs) on a sandwich. So it's like a fried egg, fried mozzarella sticks with... Fried chicken tenders and maybe some fried onion rings. And that's your sandwich. Totally. 
It's you, insane. Yeah, so y'all both have eaten there. I did not eat there. I just watched Bryce eat there. <laughs> I've eaten there two times. eat anything off that menu. <laughs> oh, for sure. If you want to feel like poop for the next two weeks, like just sitting in the bottom of your stomach. Oh, wow. man. That's crazy. Yeah. Like uh, craziest sandwiches I've ever seen. Yeah, they're insane. Definitely yeah. called the fat shack for a reason. Yeah, for it's sure. crazy. It's very unhealthy. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> I don't Thor know about everything. Thor's in the fun. That's really fun. All right. So, Denise, tell us about yourself. Where are you from? Where have you been? Where are you going in life? Ooh, all the questions. Yeah. I might have a midlife crisis on here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I am originally from Ohio. Uh, I moved out here in 2010 when I was in eighth grade with my family for my dad's job. Um, and started like attending a local church in Frederick, Colorado. So just really close to Erie. <laughs> and I graduated from Frederick High School. Um, and then I went to school for a little bit. It was not my thing. I went down to Metro State in Denver and I was commuting from Frederick and it was just so hard. I ended up failing and then dropping out. <laughs> and so uh, during that time, uh, the Lord placed out my mom's heart. Like she, he gave her a dream that I moved to Peru, the worship pastor of my church back then was just had moved down to direct the home down there. And so uh, she was like, yeah, go do this. And I was like, mm, don't know if I want to be a missionary. Do want to get out of Frederick? <laughs> so <Right>. I will <laughs> go. <laughs> and really just there in that season, I feel like God, I feel like I've said this multiple times this week, actually, which is crazy. But um, I just feel like God was really sanding down the rough edges mm. of my heart and preparing me for ministry and really just capturing a love for like the local church, which is so weird because I was not mm. in the local church. Yeah. Um, but I just met such incredible Christians down there who, you know, the state leaves mm -hmm. um, from your college days. And um, they just really gave me such an incredible space and season to ask tough questions and like not be judged or express doubt and like not be ridiculed or anything. And so I just was so grateful for them. And I was like, I want to go be this person for somebody else, like in the church. Um, and just like let people hear, like have come with all their raw feelings, how they are just as, as Jesus has met me and how these people in this season have been like an incredible example to me of. Um, and so when I came back, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with myself? I started working at a hotel when I lived there for a year and then came back and I was like, oh, I'm doing nothing important, <laughs> which so is not true. God can like work through all the things, right? Totally. But right. Uh, in that moment, I was like, oh, I was just doing the coolest thing ever. And now here I am. And so I applied for an intern at my, or an internship at my home church. And then I got accepted and through that internship heard about Calvary. Uh, and originally, I don't know if everyone knows this, but I applied for an intern role over here at the Erie campus under Chris. Yeah. Um, and then COVID hit. And so uh, you guys went on a hiring freeze and I just like, okay, I'll keep looking. And then, yeah, a few months later, Chris texted me for seeing if I was still looking for a job. And I was like, absolutely. It is still COVID. And so I uh, interviewed with Gary the next day and then was offered the position and took some time to pray about it because it's a way bigger step than just like another intern role. Yeah, <laughs> sure. totally. Yeah. And now I really just feel like I haven't even taken some time to dream about what's next. So mm. I really actually like that you asked that question because I'm like, I should really think about, I feel like right now in this past, I guess, nine months, I've really just been like finding my footing and finding my stride. Um, and so I'm excited to see what it is, but I definitely should like take some time and Take some time to dream. I used to love doing that. I feel like I haven't yeah. done that so that's, much recently. That's wonderful. Melissa, if you don't know this, listeners of Calvary, if you don't know this, the people that she went to serve with in Peru were my best friends in college. 
that did Bible college. Actually, we split the U-Haul to get out to Colorado long ago. That's so funny. And I knew both of those guys, Ryan and Matt, when they were single in Bible college. We were all single at that time. And I had gorgeous hair at that time, too. Well, that part I don't believe. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a different world. <laughs> but it's just really, it's my, my heart goes out to Den- Denise and what she's been through and where she's going just because mm-hmm. of those people have been so influential in my life as totally. well. And um, that's awesome that you got their goodness as much as I did. Yes, I love that. I love that we have that connection too. I yeah. don't even know how we figured that out, but it was like, what? Come yeah, on. totally. So it's really that's cool. so fun. I love that. All right, let's jump into our book and sort of get you where we what we've been reading, our book list. Um, Melissa, help us out. Give us yeah. the rundown of what so we've been reading. So this month we read Surprised by Paradox, uh, which is a book by Jen Pollock Michelle. Um, and in this book, she talks about the power of and, um, the power of ands in our faith and how God shows up in those things. Um, and not really dismissing that either and or are also God's words, but holding the tension of uh, paradoxes and um, how two seemingly opposite things can come together. So it's kind of four sections. The first one is incarnation and talks about the Savior who is both God and man, Um, the kingdom and the kingdom that is here and also the kingdom that is coming. Uh, The third one is grace, the gift of grace, and also the work that follows it. And lament, hope in the one who restores the world, and lament for the world that groans for restoration. So I think a good first question to answer is what is a paradox? Yeah, Denise, will you read us the definition that Jen gives us as we start our journey in this book? Yes, absolutely. Um, On page 12 of my book, she says, a book about paradox is a book about spiritual posture, the posture of kneeling under God's great big sky and admitting that mystery is inherent to the nature of God. Mm, That's really good. That is good. Yeah, this was a fantastic book for myself. I keep saying that in this podcast. You keep making fun of me, Melissa, for it. But (laughs) Every book that Jay reads is his favorite book. No, it's not. That is not true at all. But this one was really fun and special to me and just loved the integrity of the conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I would totally agree. I Integrity didn't even pop into my brain until you said it, but I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you've been a fan of Philip Yancey, mm-hmm. um, it's sort of like Philip Yancey and Max Lucado and N.T. Wright had a baby. <laughs> That's not how awkward it's just or not. got really weird. <laughs> yeah. But produce this great writer who's super talented. Yes. And um, it explains the faith really well. Yes. And with depth. Totally. And I think even she explains parts of the faith that aren't super talked about by a ton of Christians. I feel like more recently, for sure, there are conversations that are being introduced. But for me, I feel like so many of her words were giving me like language and vocabulary yeah. for things I didn't even know I needed. So no, that was super awesome. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, also like um, when we dove into the, like the sections of this book with incarnation, kingdom, grace, there's some great quotes that we think might be beneficial for you to hear today to inspire you to read this book and to make it part of your bookshelf as a Christian at Calvary. And one of those things is the marriage, uh, the quote about marriage. I only said the marriage quote because it's on the board like that, but <laughs> the quote about marriage and sort of the incarnation 
that we learn from marriage. Yeah, so she talks about, and I thought this was such a great description of uh, marriage, first of all, and a great analogy of our faith, in that marriage, uh, what we're called to is a daily dying and a daily showing up. And that's so true. And those things, it's a paradox, right? Does it feel like both of those things go together? How can you die and how, how can you show up? But it's such a perfect picture of, and I don't think just marriage, even just relationships of how we have to die to ourselves and our wants and needs and desires, and we have to consistently show up for people. Right. And I love that because when she talks about, when Jen talks about these things, it's a very, um, well, Eugene Peterson says earthy spirituality, but mm. she uses the word unspiritual spirituality. And Denise, what, what does that actually mean for her as we read the book? Um, she says, it's a paradox that the spiritual life for all its presumed holiness can be so distinctly unspiritual, which I just think, again, is like this conversation of not just either or, but mm-hmm. and like it's yeah. not just Sunday, but and Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Um, and just even like God being in the incarnation, Jesus being fully God and fully man. And then we get grace and truth. And so mm-hmm. it's so many ands and all relational, like I, with you saying, um, like dying to ourselves and still showing up. Yeah. Um, like, so how much of that is like, for me, just made me think of grace and truth of yeah. how we died ourselves in truth, but also still live in grace and extend that to others. And yeah. Yeah. I love that. And the question that she asked that just kind of stuck with me through the whole book is how can we give ourselves fully to earth and heaven at the same time? Yeah. Like how do we hold that tension? Because of course we'd love to just, you know, be able to say like, well, I'm lifting that up to the Lord in prayer. I'm praying for that. I'm, you know, reading my Bible. I'm whatever. But we're also called to be here on this earth and live out a purpose here. And so how do we hold the tension of both of those things? Yeah. And, you know, in my own family, I'm the grocery shopper in the family. I'm impressed. And, uh, you know, we meal plan together, but I'm the final solution to get the... (laughs) To procure the ingredients yes, for those yes. meals. And one of the things I think about often is like, that's the spiritual life as well, just as much as, a, not just as much as, but attending or praying um, or journaling or reading my Bible, those have some spiritual implications mm-hmm. as well. And that's sort of the earth type spirituality we're talking about. Yeah, totally. There's this quote on page 49 and it says, uh, you follow me, uh, you with your skin, with your salary, with your uh, melancholy personality. God's call is not uniform, which makes discerning it a true predicament of faith. Um, and then at the end of this chapter, it says it, it's a paradox that we could call out our specialness to the world and also call it praise. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. And it leads, yeah, it totally leads into that kingdom paradox where it's like we're called to give up so many things as Christians, right? And yet we're also called to enjoy so many things as Christians, right. of the bounty that God has given us and provided to us. And so holding both of those things close, being responsible for everything that passes through our lives or across our plates, whether that's money or talents or however that shows up, but also just getting some enjoyment out of that. Totally. That makes sense. And for those at Calvary who are struggling with those things of like maybe not thinking they're living the best life possible or the most spiritual life possible, what would you say to them after reading this book and sort of processing in your own journey 
about their faithfulness to their everydayness? I would say, um, would you repeat the question? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good response. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good she response. She wants to make sure she hears I'm it. Like, I want to really take it in. No, but like, <laughs> what would you say to someone at Calvary who has a hard time grasping that oh. they're actually living the kingdom life mm. when, you know, they're in driveline for school or they're working a dead end job or all those type of things that we find all of ourselves in at times in our life. Totally. I think through this book, I was really encouraged by just the realness of the man that Jesus was like all the human things that we have to embarrassingly do or whatever, like Jesus also had to do. And so I think just even in wanting to live a life that resembles Jesus and follow in his way, knowing that he was so incredibly human and had temptation and suffered and also like had to practice patience and be a good friend yeah. and all these like things that we think are so little in our lives. Um, we're also making up his life. I think when you look at it in that way, for me, it's just encouraging of like, man, these things that are mundane and boring are also um, important to God. And he wants to be a part of those and included in, in those too. Right. And it's also a chance for him to shine for his glory to come to people that maybe don't know him or even people that do know him through us, which is so cool. I think we've talked before about the book. Um, what is it? The liturgy of the ordinary. Yes. It reminded me a lot of that. Like yeah. just what are the ordinary things that are in our lives and how do we give that up to God and, and put him first in all of those? Yeah. That book actually in this book helped me realize like the practice of folding laundry at night because, you know, I have two small kids, full-time jobs, Life is crazy, and most of the time at about 8 p.m., I'm folding laundry. Did so, you hear that, guys? He is grocery shopping and folding, folding laundry. laundry. Dads hey. of eerie folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've heard a podcast like that before. <laughs> Me too. But I think like there is a monkish quality of folding laundry if you mm -hmm. meet God in it mm -hmm. and if you realize that this is what he's called me to today, to the present moment of, you know, this is, this is it, you know, yeah. there's laundry on the bed and that the family needs to, to be done. Yeah. So how can you glorify God? How can you participate with God in that? Yeah, I love, so the next section was grace and I loved that section. And one of the, yeah, one of the really things good. that I really love that stuck with me is she said, we don't get grace because I, we change our lives, but our lives are changed by grace. So it's something that we do, but it changes how we do things. I oh, loved totally, that. Totally. And she blends really great stories between some professional Christians, some heroes of the faith, mm -hmm. along with their really ordinary lives and the tension they face, even themselves, and the paradox of grace. Yeah. I feel like she really did a great job of normalizing the gray area. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially in grace, I feel like this has been like a day-old question of, how do I live in grace while also like living in truth and how like, do we live in grace and know God has provided for us and has saved us while also like caring about being obedient yeah. and um, yeah. desiring what he desires. Uh, and so I really like um, just how she kept normalizing that. And then by our, uh, on page 118, there's also a really good quote that I feel like just goes perfectly with this. Sorry, I'm flipping there. <laughs> no, that's great. I love that we're reading from it. Um, it goes, she says, but it wasn't only legalism that bound me to a new way of living after I became a Christian. 
To bold witness to sexual purity, to honesty with my parents, I think grace was operative on the old Eve, a grace that surely preceded the transformation, but nonetheless uh, obliged it. It hadn't gone looking for God. He'd come looking for me. But when I stepped out to follow, I was set on a new path somehow, leaving behind old ways of being, taking up new ways of moving through this world of resurrection. It was, of course, a very fitful kind of change, and it still is. I wonder about the slowness of my transformation. And I think for me, that's been such a huge battle of, oh, why am I not progressing like these other Christians? Or how is this so much easier for them? Or how am I not living in truth the same way? Uh, And so I just love even the normalization of the slowness of the transformation, Mm -hmm. because I think it can be discouraging when you're like, oh, God, I want your desires and I want your heart and I want your eyes. But I still, I mean, even Paul says it like, I'm not the best quoter (laughs) word for word, but when he talks about how like he doesn't desire these things, but his flesh still Mm -hmm. like still does. Right. Right. Uh, And so I just feel like that was super encouraging Right. to think that it's not a linear path. I mean, I won't even say it's not always, because is it ever? Right. <laughs> you know, it looks so different for everybody. And I love, I always love thinking about grace, um, that it wasn't an afterthought for God. It wasn't like, yes. you know, Adam and Eve in the garden, and they ate the apple, and then God's like, shoot, what do I do? Right. You know, or the Israelites and their disobedience over and over again, and God's like, oh my gosh, here we go again. Now I have to come up with another plan. Like, yeah. that was his first, the grace was his first plan. That was his first uh, gift to us. And so, yeah, I just love that picture. I totally love that too, and I think like Christians a ton of the time, we like think of Old Testament God and we're like, oh, angry and mean yeah. and hateful. And just like the fact that grace wasn't an afterthought, like it was the first totally. thought is really encouraging to like go back and think about how you've been perceiving God throughout the lens of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And like, man, are you viewing him for his steadfast love? Like, I feel like all the time in this book, she quotes God and it's like yeah. his steadfast love. Um, so yeah, that just made me think of that yeah. too. That's really good. Let's turn the corner to the final section that... I think uh, shaped a lot of my liking of this book. It was lament, the of section of lament. Did. But you know that's because I love the Psalms, anyways. And um, I, you know, it was really interesting for me to journey through her view of lament, of the tension between you know God intervening on our suffering and then also allowing our suffering yeah. into being okay with both. Yeah. Is lament a good word for us to define, maybe? Yeah, sure. Do you got a good definition of it? Um, no. Do you have a good definition no, of it? No, I don't. Okay. I do have a good I, definition of it. Oh, do you? Um, on page 152, the impolitic plea or lament is an ancient prayer tradition in the Bible. In language that seems hardly admissible in God's throne room, as men and women pray to God, they try making faithful sense of the mystery of their suffering and the love of God in the worst of circumstances. Lament with its clear-eyed appraisal of suffering alongside its commitment to finding audience with God. It is a paradoxical practice of faith. It's wonderful. Yeah. Thanks for reading that. That's a hard one. Lament is always a hard thing to hold. And as I was thinking about this... Um, I was thinking of, she talks in the book about a modern apprehension about bringing complaint to God. Do you feel like, Tanise, your generation or the generation you're teaching is better at that? 
Like, are they more willing to complain to God than my generation where it's like, it's God's will. I'm just going to be okay with it. <laughs> also in silence. Yes, totally. Definitely. I think that there is like a sub, like not submissive, but where you, yeah. like a submissiveness totally. with like your, the older generation. It's like to truth, to God's will, to all the things. And then this generation that I'm seeing right now, Gen Z, I'm actually a part of, and I totally do feel like it's anything goes like bring everything which I love for sure but also I think there it is good to I mean just always keep a self-check and like what is your intentions like is it to you know know God better and have him know you and to find clarity and and struggle Mm -hmm. with the mystery or is it just to be a jerk you know and test God (laughs) totally yeah and I think she talks about that about how lament could potentially seem like despair or disparaging but really the act of crying out is the imagining of intervention so it's us having the imagination to see God intervene in this way and just being raw before him and our unhappiness with it or our sadness or anger or whatever those feelings are which is I feel like for me, a been a hard part for me to bring to God. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're all knowing, you're all powerful, like you're all good, all right. perfect. How could I have an issue with you? You know, but just even, again, the normalization that she brings forth and like, man, we can bring our concerns to God. And even she has like this beautiful picture of her son throwing rocks into this ocean and it's like, yep, casting all your cares on the Lord. Yeah. And just like how beautiful that is. And if like lament is us taking these big, heavy things in our lives and throwing them into the vast ocean that is God. Uh, and how he just carries them for us. And, and even I think about that rock disappearing in the depths of the water. And for me, like that part of the book brought so much peace. Yeah. Right. And she encourages us once again to go to the Psalms. That's always the big deal, you know, and mm-hmm. especially in the year that we've had, the Psalms really frame up what we can be thinking and where we can be from day to day. And I really like the quote on page 184 said, God did not simply author the songs of lament. He sang them Mm. and just talking about the life of Jesus himself and the anguish that he went through and the burden that he had and the frustrations even in his suffering towards God, his father, who, I mean, is divinely perfect in his response to his own father. Right. But sang these as well. Yeah. Yeah. I even think like in the book, she talks about how when he's on the cross and says, father, forgive or father, forgive. No, not father, forgive them. Yeah. Uh, that is it? Yeah. Like, why have you forsaken me? Oh, no, that's... Father, Father, why have you yeah. forsaken me? Um, and uh, I guess he's quoting, like, a Psalms mm-hmm. um, in, like, Psalms 22, which I had no idea my entire that's Christian so walk. Cool. So I just, like, that's a fun little fact to share. Right. Uh, but also then she says that even more of the Psalms are not Psalms of praise, but Psalms of lament uh, right. was so crazy to me. And even just more of a normalization of, yeah. hey, it's okay to feel hard things with God. Yeah. And to hold that paradox of being upset or angry or sad or hurt, but also trusting in God's sovereignty and his plan and all of that coming to fruition. Totally. That's really good. Okay. So when we think about this book and this recommendation for how and when we should read this book, Melissa always rolls her eyes at this part. Um, <laughs> Just who internally. Who should read this book? Who should read this book? Um, I- I actually, like some of these questions that were at the end of each section were so deep. Like just that I almost think if you might be in a group, at least for me, if I was in a group, it might be harder for me to dive that deep Mm -hmm. in the moment. 
Um, But I think it'd be such a sweet thing to just read through slowly by yourself and journal about your answers because there's a lot of, she really challenges you to think differently about a lot of things. I totally agree. Yeah, that's a, that might be the first book we just said, read it independently for your own spiritual journey. And I mean, I'm never going to stop someone from reading it with someone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the discussion questions are very helpful, but they also are pretty raw and you have to have a group that you really trust in order to process these type of questions. Yeah. So it's not like a new believer study on the paradox. (laughs) But like, you know, it's like, uh, I have some really trusted friends who maybe we need to take a step towards being honest Mm -hmm. with each other or, Take a step into helping each other along the journey. Might yeah. be a good read. Yeah. I love that. Um, I would like recommend it to anybody who is uh, struggling with the mystery that is God and feeling like they need to find the answers to all of the paradoxes mm-hmm. and all the things that just don't quite make sense. Or uh, I was really expecting this book to be like kind of a defense for faith, but really it just gave me such peace, peace with the things that we don't know. Uh, yeah. And just an, even an encouragement of how one day we will know all those things. And yeah. that's going to be a glorious day. But for now, Amen. like rest in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if I would say if you're struggling with sitting in the tension of the gray area or wrapping your head around the mystery that is God, uh, I would totally recommend this book to you. Yeah, totally. And one of the reasons I picked this book is because of two things that happened in 2024. And that was the world guild award shortlist for apologetics evangelism this was on its shortlist for books in that category which for those apologetical people that like books this is a really good challenge to like yeah sort of the formal apologetical books that we read and then christianity today it definitely got a merit for one of the best books of the year and that's really important because that means that uh its genuineness its integrity can last and is a book worth reading. Yeah, and it won an award for its cover. Totally. So it's going to look really pretty on your bookshelf. (laughs) If you care about that sort of thing. Oh, for sure. Have it facing out front. (laughs) Well, Denise, it was great to have you in the booth. Thanks for you, Calvary, listening to the book list. Our recommendations for this month in May. We look forward to um, seeing you, talking to you, hearing your reflections. Write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. As we leave today, let's have Melissa send us off with an excerpt to finish our day together in the booth. I love this, and I've just been praying these words in my own life and for people around me. Um, It says, keep falling into the strong, sure, and merciful hands of Jesus. And as you do, let your life burst into glorious flame. Be the bush that burns, bearing the image of God so brightly in the world that every man and woman must stop to remove their shoes and draw near for a closer look. And when they do, they'll see God. That's a wonderful quote. We hope that you, my friends, draw closer to God. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to The Book List. Oh, yeah. Brought to you by The Weekly. <laughs>